0: LaFosse Corporation, LLC. Welcome once again to the mansion on the hill, the house of strange, the palace of mystery. This is the home of Terry's mysterious moments. This is season five. We thank you for listening to the show. Well, hello there everybody. This is Terry from Texas. It's time for another Terry's Mysterious Moments. You know, there are some strange places in the world that archeologists are uncovering. Some places they know much what they're used for. Other places, they don't really have a great idea. They have a theory, but they don't have a solid theory. And so they have to keep digging and finding and keep digging and finding and figuring out. Such a place is called Gobekli Tepe or the Potbelly Hill, something I can identify with, and it is a Neolithic archaeological site in southeastern Anatolia in Turkey. The Tel, or artificial mound, has a height of 50 feet and is about 1,000 feet in diameter, approximately 2,500 feet above sea level. It includes two phases of use, believed to be of a social or ritual nature site by the discoverer and excavator Klaus Schmidt. Its oldest layer dates to the very beginning of the Neolithic here in Texas. That is a fur piece back way back yonder. The younger phase belongs to the 9th to 10th millennia BCE. Now. Before we go any further, I want to clarify something about this silly use of the phrase BCE, or the letters BCE. We have divided time by the birth of Christ. Anything that happened before the birth of Christ was BC. Anything that happened after Christ was AD, Anno Domini, after the coming of the Teacher. Well, scientists decided to change it, maybe because they had no control over BC or AD. So they said BCE, before the Common Era, and then after that is the Common Era. The thing is, BCE means the same thing as BC, CE means the same thing as AD. So now that that silliness is put to bed, let me continue. During the early phase in the 10th millennium BCE, circles of massive T-shaped stone pillars were erected and classified as the oldest known megaliths, some 3,000 years older than the earliest cities of Mesopotamia. More than 200 pillars in about 20 circles are known as of May 2020. Through geophysical surveys. Each pillar has a height of up to 20 feet and weighs up to 10 tons. They are fitted into sockets that were hewn out of the local bedrock. In the second phase, belonging to the pre pottery Neolithic B, they like to call it in cutesy terms the PPNB. The erected pillars are smaller and stood in rectangular rooms with floors of polished lime. The site was abandoned after this time. Younger structures date to classical times. The excavations have been going on since 1996 by the German Archaeological Institute or the GAI, I'm sorry, the DAI, the Deutsche Archaeological Institute but large parts still remain unexcavated. In 2018, the site was designated, here we go, a UNESCO World Heritage Site. No idea what it was for, but it's a World Heritage Site. Gobekli Tepe was built and occupied during the pre-pottery Neolithic, the PPN, the earliest phase of the Neolithic period, which is dated between 9600 and 7000 BCE. Beginning at the end of the Pleistocene, which was the last ice age, the PPN marks the beginnings of village life in Southwest Asia with the earliest known permanent human settlements in the world. PPN villages consisted of clusters of stone or mud brick houses and sometimes substantial monumental or communal buildings. While the site formerly belongs to the earliest Neolithic, To date, no traces of domesticated plants or animals have been found. The inhabitants are presumed to have been hunters and gatherers who nevertheless lived in village for at least part of the year. So far, very little evidence of residential use has been found, which some question and is a cause for ongoing discussion. Through the radiocarbon method, the end of layer 3, can be fixed at about 9000 BCE. It is hypothesized by some archeologists that the elevated location may have functioned as a spiritual center during 10,000 BCE, or even earlier, essentially at the very end of the Pleistocene. Archeologists estimate that up to 500 persons were required to extract the heavy pillars from local quarries and move them 330 to 1,640 feet to the site. The pillars weigh 10 to 20 metric tons, with one still in the quarry weighing 50 tons, and it is a huge block of rock. The size and side-by-side existence of multiple pillar shrines at Gobekli Tepe make it unique, but T-shaped stone pillars are known from several contemporary sites in the region including Hamzan Tepi, Karahan Tepi, Harbet Suvin Tepesi, Sefer Tepi, and Tasli Tepi. Navali Kori, a slightly later Neolithic site excavated by the DAI, the German Archaeological Institute, before it was submerged by the Ataturk Dam in 1982, has smaller T-shaped pillars and a rectangular ceremonial structure within a settlement. Most of these constructions seem to be smaller than Gobekli Tepe, and their placement evenly between contemporaneous settlements indicate that they were local, social, ritual gathering places, with Gobekli Tepe perhaps as a regional center. So far, none of the smaller sites are as old as the lowest Level 3 of Gobekli Tepe. But are contemporary with the younger level 2, mostly rectangular buildings, though Harbet Suvan is circular. This could indicate that this type of architecture and associated activities originated at Gobekli Tepe, then spread to other sites. Around the beginning of the 8th millennium BCE, Gobekli Tepe lost its importance. The advent of agriculture and animal husbandry brought new realities to human life in the area, and the Stone Age Zoo, which was Schmidt's phrase applied particularly to Layer 3, Enclosure D, apparently lost whatever significance it had had for the region's older foraging communities. The complex was not simply abandoned and forgotten to be gradually destroyed by the elements, though. Each enclosure was deliberately buried under as much as 390 to 650 cubic yards of refuse, creating a tell consisting mainly of small limestone fragments, stone vessels, and stone tools. Many animal and even human bones have been identified in the fill. Before being documented by archaeologists, the hill that Gobekli Tepe stands on, was considered a sacred place. The archaeological site was first noted in a survey conducted by Istanbul University and the University of Chicago in 1963. American archaeologist Peter Benedict identified lithics collected from the surface of the site as belonging to the aceramic Neolithic, but mistook stone slabs, which were the upper parts of the T-shaped pillars, for grave markers postulating that the prehistoric phrase was overlain by a Byzantine cemetery. The hill had long been under agricultural cultivation, and generations of local inhabitants had frequently moved rocks and placed them in clearance piles, which may have disturbed the upper layers of the site. At some point, attempts had been made to break up some of the pillars, presumably by farmers who mistook them for ordinary large rocks. In October of 1994, German archaeologist Klaus Schmidt, who had previously been working at Navalikori, was looking for evidence of similar sites in the area and decided to re-examine the location described by the Chicago researchers in '63. asking in nearby villages about hills with flint, He was guided to Gobekli Tepe by Mahmut and Ibrahim Yildiz, the farmers who owned the land the site was situated on. Mahmut Yildiz and his father had previously discovered finds while plowing there, which they reported to the local museum. Having found similar structures at Nevali Kori, Schmidt recognized the possibility that the stone slabs were not Byzantine grave markers, as supposed by Benedict, but the tops of prehistoric megaliths. He began excavations the following year and soon unearthed the first of the huge, T shaped pillars. Yildiz went to work on the excavations and serves as the site's guard. Schmidt continued to direct excavations at the site on behalf of the Sanliurfa Museum and the German Archaeological Institute until his death in 2014. Since then, the DAI's research at the site has been coordinated by Lee Clare. As of 2021, work on the site is conducted jointly by Istanbul University, the Sanliurfa Museum, and the DAI under the overall direction of Nekmi Karol, Recent excavations have been more limited than Schmidt's, focusing on detailed documentation and conservation of the areas already exposed. The imposing stratigraphy of Gobekli Tepe attests to many centuries of activity, beginning in the pre-pottery Neolithic A period, dated to the 10th millennium BCE, that means 10,000 years BC. Remains of similar buildings identified as pre-pottery Neolithic B and dating from the 9th millennium BCE have also been unearthed. Gobekli Tepe is on a flat and barren plateau with buildings fanning out in all directions. In the north, the plateau is connected to a neighboring mountain range by a narrow promontory. In all other directions, the ridge descends steeply into slopes and steep cliffs. On top of the ridge, there is considerable evidence of human impact in addition to the construction of the tell. Excavations have taken place at the southern slope of the tell, south and west of a mulberry that marks an Islamic pilgrimage. But archaeological finds come from the entire plateau. The team has also found many remains of tools. Gobekli Tepe follows a geometric pattern. The pattern is an equilateral triangle, that's all the sides are equal, that connects enclosures A, B, and D. A 2020 study of geometry and archeological planning at Gobekli Tepe suggests that enclosures A, B, and D are all one complex, and within this complex, there is a hierarchy with enclosure D at the top rejecting the idea that each enclosure was built and functioned individually as less likely. The plateau has been transformed by erosion and by quarrying, which took place not only in the Neolithic, but also in classical times. There are four 33 foot long and 7.9 inch wide channels on the southern part of the plateau, interpreted as the remains of an ancient quarry from which rectangular blocks were taken. These possibly are related to a square building in the neighborhood, of which only the foundation is preserved. Presumably, this is the remains of a Roman watchtower that was part of the Limes Arabicus, though this is a conjecture. Most structures on the plateau seem to be the result of Neolithic quarrying, with the quarries being used as sources for the huge, monolithic architectural elements. Their profiles are pecked into the rock, with the detached blocks then levered out of the rock bank. Several quarries where round workpieces had been produced were identified. Their status as quarries was confirmed by the find of a 3x3 meter piece at the southeastern slope of the plateau. Unequivocally, Neolithic are three T-shaped pillars that had not yet been levered out of the bedrock. The largest of them lies on the northern plateau. It has a length of 23 feet, and its head has a width of 10 feet. Its weight may be around 50 tons. The other two unfinished pillars lie on the southern plateau. At the western edge of the hill, a lion-like figure was found. In this area, flint and limestone fragments occur more frequently. It was therefore suggested that this could have been some kind of sculpture workshop. Apart from the tell, there is an incised platform with two sockets that could have held pillars and a surrounding flat bench. This platform corresponds to the complexes from layer three at the tell. Continuing the naming pattern, it's called Complex E. Owing to its similarity to the cult buildings at, at Navali Kori, It has also been called Temple of the Rock. Its floor has been carefully hewn out of the bedrock and smoothed, reminiscent of the terrazzo floors of the younger complexes at Gobekli Tepe. Immediately northwest of this area are two cistern-like pits that are believed to be part of Complex E. One of these pits has a table-high pin as well as a staircase with five steps. At the Western Escarpment, A small cave has been discovered in which a small relief depicting a bovid was found this is the only relief found in this cave at this early stage in the site's history circular compounds or tamine first appear they range from 10 to 30 meters in diameter their most notable feature is the presence of t-shaped limestone pillars evenly set within thick interior walls composed of unworked stone. Four such circular structures have been unearthed so far. Geophysical surveys indicate that there are 16 more, enclosing up to 8 pillars each, amounting to nearly 200 pillars in all. The slabs were transported from bedrock pits located approximately 330 feet from the hilltop, with workers using flint points. To cut through the limestone bedrock whether the circles were provided with a roof is uncertain stone benches designed for sitting are found in the interior many of the pillars are decorated with abstract enigmatic pictograms and carved animal reliefs the pictograms may represent commonly understood sacred symbols as known from neolithic cave paintings elsewhere the reliefs depict mammals such as lions, bulls, boars, foxes, gazelles, and donkeys, snakes and other reptiles, arthropods such as insects and arachnids, and birds, particularly vultures. At the time the edifice was constructed, the surrounding country was likely to have been forested and capable of sustaining this variety of wildlife before millennia of human settlement and cultivation led to the near-dust-bowl conditions prevalent today. Vultures also feature prominently in the iconography of Catalhuyuk and Jericho. Few humanoid figures have appeared in the art at Gobekli Tepe. Some of the T-shaped pillars have human arms carved on the lower half, suggesting to cite excavator Schmidt. That they are intended to represent the bodies of stylized humans, or perhaps deities. Loincloths appear on the lower half of a few pillars. The horizontal stone slab on top is thought by Schmidt to, to symbolize shoulders, which suggests that the figures were left headless. Whether they were intended to serve as surrogate worshippers, symbolize venerated ancestors, or represent supernatural, anthropomorphic beings is not known. Some of the floors in this, the oldest layer, are made of terrazzo, which is burnt lime. Others are bedrock, from which pedestals to hold the large pair of central pillars was carved in high relief. Radiocarbon dating places the construction of these early circles in the range of 9600 to 8800 BCE. Carbon dating suggests that, for unknown reasons, the enclosures were backfilled during the stone age. Creation of the circular enclosures in Layer 3 later gave way to the construction of small rectangular rooms in Layer 2. Rectangular buildings make a more efficient use of space compared with circular structures. They often are associated with the emergence of the Neolithic, but the T shaped pillars, the main feature of the older structures, are also present here, indicating that the buildings of lo- Layer 2 continued to serve the same functions in the culture, presumably as sanctuaries. Layer two is assigned to pre-pottery Neolithic B, the PPNB. The several adjoining rectangular doorless and windowless rooms have floors of polished lime, reminiscent again of the Roman terrazzo floors. Carbon dating has yielded dates between 8800 and 8000 BCE. Several T-pillars, up to 1.5 meters tall, occupy the center of the rooms. A pair decorated with fierce-looking lions is the rationale for for the name the Lion Pillar Building, in which their enclosure is known. A stone pillar resembling totem pole designs was discovered at Gobekli Tepe layer 2 in 2010. It's 1.92 meters high and is superficially reminiscent of the totem poles in North America. The pole features three figures, the uppermost depicting a predator, possibly a bear, and below it a human-like shape. Because the statue is damaged, the interpretation is not entirely clear. Fragments of a similar pole were discovered about 20 years ago at Nivali Kori. Also an older layer at Gobekli features some related sculptures portraying animals on human heads. Layer 1 is the uppermost part of the hill. It's the shallowest but accounts for the longest stretch of time. It consists of loose sediments caused by erosion and the virtually uninterrupted use of the hill for agricultural purposes since it ceased to operate as a ceremonial center. The site was again deliberately backfilled sometime after 8000 BCE. The buildings were buried under debris mostly flint gravel, stone tools and animal bones. In addition to Byblos points which are weapon heads such as arrowheads etc and numerous Nimric points, Helwan points, and Aswad points dominate the backfield's lithic inventory. Klaus Schmidt's view was that Gobekli Tepe was a Stone Age mountain sanctuary. Radiocarbon dating as well as comparative stylistic analysis indicate that it contains the oldest known megaliths yet discovered anywhere, and that these ruins may constitute the remains of a temple. Schmidt believed that what he called this cathedral on a hill was a pilgrimage destination, attracting worshippers from up to 95 miles distant. Butchered bones found in large numbers from local game such as deer, gazelle, pigs, and geese have been identified as refuse from food hunted and cooked or otherwise prepared for the congregants. archaeological evidence shows that gazelle were only seasonally present in the region, suggesting that events such as rituals and feasts were likely timed to occur during periods when, when game availability was at its peak. Schmidt considered Gobekli Tepe a central location for a cult of the dead and that the carved animals are there to protect them, though no tombs or graves have yet to be found. Schmidt believed that graves remained to be discovered in niches located behind the walls of the sacred circles. In 2017, discovery of a human crania with incisions was reported, interpreted as providing evidence for a new form of Neolithic skull cult. That's what we really needed was another Neolithic skull cult. Special preparation of human crania in the form of plastered human skulls is known from the pre-pottery Neolithic B period at sites such as Ain Malaha, Jericho, and Yiftahel. Schmidt also interpreted the site in connection with the initial stages of the Neolithic. It is one of several sites in the vicinity of Karakadag, an area that geneticists suspect may have been the original source of at least some of our cultivated grains. Recent DNA analysis of modern domesticated wheat compared with wild wheat was shown that its DNA is closest in sequence to wild wheat found on Karaka Dog 20 miles away from the site, suggesting that this is where modern wheat was first domesticated. With its mountains catching the rain and a calcareous, porous bedrock creating many springs, creeks, and rivers, the upper reaches of the Euphrates and Tigris was a refuge during the dry and cold, Younger Dryas climactic event of 10,800 to 9,500 BCE. Schmidt also engaged in speculation regarding the belief systems of the groups that created Gobekli Tepe, based on comparisons with other shrines and settlements. He presumed shamanistic practices and suggested the T-shaped pillars represent human forms, perhaps ancestors, whereas he saw a fully articulated belief in deities as not developing until later in Mesopotamia that was associated with extensive temples and palaces. This corresponds well with an ancient Sumerian belief that agriculture, animal husbandry, and weaving were brought to humans from the sacred mount Ikur, which was inhabited by Anuna deities, very ancient deities without individual names. Schmidt identified this story as a primeval oriental myth that preserves a partial memory of the emerging Neolithic. It is apparent that the animal and other images give no indication of organized violence. I.e., there are no depictions of hunting raids, or wounded animals, and the pillar carvings generally ignore game, on which the society depended, such as deer, in favor of formidable creatures such as lions, snakes, spiders, and scorpions. Expanding on Schmidt's interpretation that round enclosures could represent sanctuaries, Georgius. Semiotic interpretation reads the Gobekli Tepe iconography as a cosmogonic map that would have related the local community to the surrounding landscape and the cosmos. Gobekli Tepe is regarded by some as an archaeological discovery of great importance since it could profoundly change the understanding of a crucial stage in the development of human society. Some researchers believe that the construction of Gobekli Tepe may have contributed to the later development of urban civilization, or as excavator Klaus Schmidt put it, first came the temple, then the city. Gobekli Tepe is one of the most important sites of the pre-pottery Neolithic period. The area of Mesopotamia proper at this time was not yet settled by humans. It remains unknown how a population large enough to construct Augment and maintain such a substantial complex was mobilized and compensated or fed in the conditions of pre-sedentary society. Scholars have been unable to interpret the pictograms and do not know what the meaning of the animal reliefs had for visitors to the site. The variety of fauna depicted, from lions and boars to birds and insects, makes any single explanation problematic. As there is little or no evidence for habitation and many of the animals are predators, the stones may have been intended to stave off evils through some form of magic representation. Alternately, they could have served as totems. The assumption that the site was strictly cultic in purpose and not inhabited has been challenged as well by the suggestion that the structures served as large communal houses similar in some ways to the large plank houses of the northwest coast of North America with their impressive house posts and totem poles. It is not known why every few decades the existing pillars were buried to be replaced by new stones as part of a smaller concentric ring inside the older one. What exactly was the purpose of these structures at Gobekli Tepe? Worship? Fellowship? Habitation? And why are there several distinct levels, including different, indicating different time periods? What was the purpose of later inhabitants or users of this site backfilling the previous levels? Was it a form of Neolithic urban renewal? Oh, this is an eyesore. Let's cover it over and start fresh. I don't know. But the work continues in sites such as this. Archaeologists and other scientists from other disciplines work together to come up with a cohesive explanation or at least a workable theory about the whys and wherefores of Gobekli Tepe and other mysterious sites that pop up every now and then. Until they have that eureka moment, we'll just have to pardon their dust. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for being along for the ride. I want to remind you that on Mondays, Aaron Hunter brings you Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. Aaron reads listener stories, mostly ghost stories, sometimes UFOs, sometimes cryptids. On Tuesday, Aaron Frail brings you Aaron's Horror Show, different things that he's written. He reviews movies, books, things like that. On Wednesday, it's me, Terry from Texas, with Terry's Mysterious Moments, where we talk about just about anything there is to talk about. And at the first weekend of the month, we have video from The Witching Hour. Aaron has instituted a new area called Entertaining Short Films. That's exactly what they are. They're just short stories, nothing in particular. No particular genre, just entertaining. Remember that you can go to your app store, whether you have Apple or Android, download the RPA app, which is a black square with a blue eye in the middle of it. Download that to the device that you listen to the program on. Install it, and when you open that up, you can go straight to the Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, and its network. So all the all the stories that are involved with RPA are there so you don't have to go hunting for them. If you want to contact me at Terry's Mysterious Moments, you can do that on the Facebook page, and it's called Terry's Mysterious Moments. Or you can email me at Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com contact me if you want to let's talk about some things that's about it we'll be back again listen to the other shows have a good week everybody